Welcome back to Inside the Kentucky Derby. As we roll along to the road to the Kentucky Derby prep season here on Inside the Kentucky Derby, we're talking the Remsen Stakes. And the first time that many of the horses in the Remsen are going to go a little bit further in distance and go a mile and an eighth. It's usually a marquee race every year because of that reason of the horses testing new distances for the first time. I'm Kevin Kirstein, not joined alongside by Darren Rogers today. Quickly as the fall meet ended and uh, the Kentucky Jockey Club ran, we sent Darren to the sidelines for a quick freshening at the farm. But I'm very glad to be joined by the one and only Caitlin Free this afternoon. Caitlin, what's happening? Welcome to Inside the Kentucky Derby, where all the magic happens here. Awesome. I can't wait. Um <clears throat> Heading on forward to 150 in less than six months now. I feel like we've been talking about it for uh, the day since after Kentucky Derby 149, but super excited to be joining you and actually talking about a race that I'm pretty excited for this weekend that I'm not usually as looking forward to as I am this time around. You know, it's weird because the Remsen is sort of that race where everyone talks about leading into the new year. Um, is it a key race? Is it not a key race? Right. We saw a couple of years ago when Mo Donegal and Zandon ran in it, it was like that rare, very key race on the road to the Kentucky Derby. But there's been some years that's just a head scratcher. Like last year when WHNL won, uh, Irmira Colo finished sixth, who came back and won a grade three came here and running the ran in the Clark. But it's sort of one of those hot and cold races that you never really know what you're going to get. And I feel like it's been more cold than hot in recent years. Yeah. It's definitely a type of feast or famine a uh, race you mentioned, Mo Donegal went on, of course, to win the Belmont Stakes, and I believe he was fourth or fifth, fifth in the Kentucky Derby uh, behind Rich Strike. So it was productive that year, but I mean, we have a. I think this is one of the better lineups we've seen in the this race um, this time around. We got a lot of horses that were part of the um, Kentucky Derby future wagers that I know were attractive to some people. Actually, one of the um, individual favorites in that race is going to be here in the Remsen. So definitely an exciting renewal. Absolutely. And, you know, the Remsen has produced several Kentucky Derby winners, Johnstown, Carryback, Northern Dancer, Pleasant Colony, Thunder Gulch, and the one and only Go For Gin, trained by my man, Nicholas P. Zito. And it's funny because I got a phone call yesterday on my way up to Turfway. And it said Nick Zito. When Nick Zito calls, you always answer the always. phone. And he, first thing he said, he said, KK, got the next go for gin for me. <laughs> said, Nick, I, I wish, I wish. And so he's still looking for his next uh, go for gin. But uh, yeah, there's been uh, several Kentucky Derby winners that have run in the Remsen. Of course, it's been run since 1904. And I learned today, I was doing a little bit of research, and I was like, what is the Remsen named after? I failed history twice in college. Completely transparent. I'm not a history guy. But it's named after Colonel Jeremus Remsen, Remsen who uh, his family owned much of Long Island up in New York, and uh, he was a key part in the American Revolution in the Battle of Long Island. So, the more you know, and that's what the Remsen is named after. I feel like so many of these races, especially races here um, in Kentucky, they're named after a lot of like military and historical types of figures. Can you just casually imagine your family owning most of Long Island? Right. Like, <laughs> I wonder what that entailed back in, you know, 17, you know, 50. Right. Because, you know, that he was, I think he was born in like the 1730s and then died right after the American Revolution in 1780s. But uh, yeah, much of Long Island is uh, James Remsen, which, you know, run an aqueduct in Queens, New York. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an East Coast guy. I like New York. I like Long Island. And 
Um, you know, it's, I'm not a really much of a, an aqueduct kind of better though, Caitlin. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've become such a Homer here recently, but even, you know, before my Kentucky Homer stage, I was more, you know, not really paying attention to aqueduct as much. I may run, may pay attention to the big days, but this card overall on Saturday, it's one to maybe load up your twin spires account featuring the cigar mile, the Remsen, the Demoiselle. There's several races on this card. If you're looking to gamble, that's a, a, a good card on Saturday in New York. I would say so. Definitely the Remsen and the Demoiselle really got my attention. Was it too crazy about the field that he, the cigar mile attracted, but it's a good betting race. Yeah, I will say that it's a good betting race, which is a lot of times really all that matters uh, as we see uh, with stuff like Turfway. But New York is not typically as attractive to me as it usually has been. I would say within the past 10 years or so, I've kind of gotten a little bit lighter on it and more trending here toward home and, of course, kind of down south a little bit. Um, but this is certainly uh, a very attractive race. Caitlin, of course, trending towards Turfway, probably, mm-hmm. where she uh, spends much of the winter up in Florence, Kentucky, here for us at Churchill Downs. And uh, paying attention to the Turfway simulcast feed, you'll see Caitlin's expert selections on that feed as well, her third year covering the race. Scott Shapiro joins her this year as well, covering the action up at Turfway. But we're going to talk to Remsen here. Uh, goes as race nine on Saturday, 3.45 p.m. for first post time. And uh, if you're looking for free pass performances on my uh, X account at Horse Racing KK, I'll tweet out uh, free Brisnet pass performances that you can uh, get your, your studying in for the Remsen on Saturday. Race number nine, uh, you know... Overall, the the field of 10, and Darren and I have sort of trended now uh, recently, Caitlin, we're going sort of the inside out. We'll talk from the rail horse to the outside. Uh, Doorknock is going to be your favorite, which we'll talk about shortly because he breaks from post position number three. But there's a horse from the rail who's 50 to one on the morning line that I don't think you need to draw a line through. I think he's got a shot in this race. Uh, Le Dom bro is, uh, how I'm going to pronounce it. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. This horse is going in his first start around two turns, ran three quarters of a mile last time out back in August was previously trained by Antonio Sano. He is now conditioned by Eniel Cordero, who's a Puerto Rican trainer based down in South Florida. This trainer has been hot recently. Caitlin, he's won two races on Friday's card at both double digit odds. Um, and, and this horse has several, uh, you know, a, a long string of workouts. And, uh, I, I've heard a little bit of chatter that this horse does look okay in the mornings. He's by mucho macho man. It asks a lot for a horse to go a mile and an eighth in his first start since, you know, August, but 50 to one, maybe can round out a superfecta and, and hit a, a bomb on the board. If you get lucky with this one, why not? There's a, there's a lot of speed in here. I think he's going to be able to maybe sit a little bit of a pocket trip. Just going to, you know, be dependent on if he's good enough and how it is coming in off the layoff for him. Hasn't been seen since August 10th, but he is bred to stretch out a little bit better than some of these other horses are being by mucho macho man. And if I'm not mistaken, the damn Valley and Amelia was a multiple grade one winner in her native Peru. And that was going around a ground, I think. That's so. why we bring you on this podcast. <laughs> Nobody else would have recognized that horse. No, no one would know Peruvian broodmare stats. Of, <laughs> gosh, that's why we bring Caitlin Free on inside the Kentucky Derby to fill in for Darren Rogers. Uh, domestic product uh, is probably going to be a player for you know some people in this race. He uh, broke his maiden last time out going a mile and an eighth. 
at Belmont at the Aqueduct meet. He's 10 to one on the morning line. The one thing I noticed though, that I sort of downgrade horses, you know, breaking their maidens this early in their quest of going a route of ground. It's not early in their two-year-old season because it's obviously the fall time, but this is the first time that, you know, these races are written. Mm -hmm. And so there's many horses in those races that don't want to go that far and, or they're not fit enough to go that far. So sometimes those final margins are more inflated than what they would be say in their three-year-old year when there's several horses that have developed in their fitness, uh, that want to go that, that route of ground. So, um, you know, he was impressive visually breaking his maiden, adding blinkers. What do you think about, uh, domestic product shots of rallying that into a Remsen victory? I think that main special one was slow, although it was really impressive. I totally uh, echo what you're saying. He has been the distance, you know, which, does mean something, and he exits uh, the main special weight where he did take some money behind Just Steel and Locked. Of course, uh, those two very legitimate uh, road to the Kentucky Derby contenders, especially Locked, but we saw Just Steel uh, for the coach win the Ed Brown Stakes here at Churchill Downs last week, and I know he's very keen on stretching that horse back out once again, which does make sense. Ah, this horse has just got to get a lot faster, but uh, kind of seems like the light bulb maybe turned on with the additional blinkers, but I think he's just got to take too big of a jump. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, sort of my sentiments. I'm going to make, you know, watch a race from, from him to see if he can uh, back up that maiden win last time out. He's trained by Chad Brown owned by the Claire of its stables, two very familiar names on the road to the Kentucky Derby. The number three horse has a very familiar, <laughs> uh, family on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And that's Dornock. He's the five to two favorite trained by Danny Gargan. Danny's a local Louisvillian, uh, grew up here in Louisville. So he's, uh, you know, very familiar with, uh, the twin spires of Churchill Downs, but the key with Dornock, Caitlin, the full brother to mage, the full brother to mage. who was just, uh, retired a few days ago on to his stud career at Airdrie stud, but I've really liked what I've seen from this horse so far earlier on uh, in his career. Didn't break the maiden either his first two starts, but was placed in the sapling as a maiden and drew off to win handily. Uh, didn't switch leads. Uh, Keelan was on a little bit of a slower track, but visually impressive. The numbers kind of backed it up. And you don't see Danny Gargan have a horse of this quality all that often, and they don't want to get rid of this horse. Somebody got a really good bargain on him as a yearling as well. That was kind of right before Mage uh, burst onto the scene and like broke his maiden and was seen. So somebody got really lucky with this horse, but um, he, he's been really impressive. Yeah, he certainly has been. And the thing that I like about him is his progression, um, you know, going the mile and an eighth in the Remsen, he, he started off going six and a half furlongs. He then went the mile distance down at Monmouth against some lesser type of competition and then went that mile and the 16th distance at Keeneland last time out. Where, you know, I liked Django in that race and, um, you know, so I was wrong gambling, but it was, uh, you know, the one thing I noticed about that track it was maybe a little bit speedy that day. Um, I'm not taking that away from him uh, going into this race because I do think that he's probably the best horse in this field. Uh, but I did, did note that, that it was a little bit of a speedy track that day. So maybe that was, you know, that final margin of six and a half lengths was a little bit blown up than what it could have been if the, the track was more fair that day. But he is the horse to beat. He's five to two on the morning line. Breaking just to his outside is another horse that I think will take some action that we saw locally here at Churchill Downs. And that's Moonlight, who's trained by Hall of Famer Todd Pletcher. Uh, Moonlight ran in the street sense on Stars of Tomorrow 1 over the sloppy surface. And uh, if you like the liberal arts in that race, who won that race, uh, you probably may want to give Moonlight another shot who finished just two and three quarters lengths behind him. 
Caitlin, I think this horse can maybe move up with uh, a more drier track. I, I just don't think that maybe he got over the slop as well last time out. I agree. And he was kind of a little bit slower out of the gate than he has been in his last couple of starts. He ran really well on the turf on debut, but when he got over uh, to the dirt, he actually broke his main impressively in an uh, off the turf event up at Belmont at Aqueduct, but the slop just kind of really was not his thing. So I do prefer him on uh, the drier track, but he's been favored three times and he was favored against liberal arts in the street since which not to take too much away from him. He didn't really like the surface, but he just was kind of paddling a little bit behind mm-hmm. liberal arts. That's just kind of my overall assessment could have been the surface, but I wasn't visually super, super impressed with what I saw from him. I liked his run on the turf when he was a little bit younger on uh, his first career start behind Carson's run, a grade one, one or since, since this may be one that if he gets bet really far down, I may have to take a pass with. I'm just, I'm curious about, you know, why they debuted him on the turf. Me too. Uh, the, the audibles have actually been okay on the turf, which mm-hmm. is kind of bizarre to me. Right. But I, I've seen a lot of them on there. Interesting. So yeah, he did, maybe it was just trying timing wise, getting a mile on a 16th where that race was around two turns at Saratoga in late July. Uh, but anyway, he, he then, you know, went to the dirt in an off the turf race at Aqueduct. And, and so he's won over the track. He won by eight lengths, breaking his maiden. He's a player. He's nine to two on the line. I can see him maybe taking some action just because of his connections more than uh, anything else to Irad Ortiz getting aboard him. Moonlight breaks from number four. Drum roll, please. Is please. I can say that easily. Trained by Brad Cox, owned by Gold Square, of course. Uh, familiar, again, names on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Gold Square and Al Gold with Cyberknife, as you remember in uh, previous Kentucky Derby. He uh, is based, he, he's from Jersey. Uh, Al travels, I think, to Florida and between Jersey. So it's not surprising that they wanted to keep this horse up in New York. Um, he's a Pennsylvania bred, just like uh, Angel of Empire was in the Derby last year. I was reliving Angel of Empire and, and bad beats that I had on him <laughs> earlier today, of, speaking of Pennsylvania breads. Um, this horse needs to step up, in my opinion, Caitlin. He, he broke his maiden last time out, and although he did it, um, you know, going a mile and going a little bit of a route of ground, he just needs to get a little bit faster in this spot. I would agree, but I, from a pace perspective, there's a lot of speed signed on in this race. I think he's got a good chance based off of that kind of draw in the middle of the field. He doesn't need the lead. He can come from off the pace, as we saw from his last uh, out race. He was beaten a considerable amount, but I did like the run that he had in his second career effort behind Locked. And then he immediately uh, broke his maiden in his next start at Belmont on the faster. Was going the mile, though, but I think he would definitely be a candidate. I think that could step up. With the distance, and he kind of reminds me of the horse last year for Brad Cox at Reina the Derby that took this path in New York, whose name is slipping me. It was a gray horse. Uh, was it? Um, um, now we're going to uh, stall here while I look, <laughs> and because it's going to bother me the rest of the he show. added blinkers in his last added start. Because I remember was... we were talking to Brad about him, and now I can't remember the horse. Um and, and this is hit, this show. hit show that's our Gary Mary West hit show. Yep. I was going to say, I know it was Gary Mary West. And this is kind of who this horse reminds me of a little bit early on. I think he has a chance to develop into that kind of a horse. I think he's maybe a little bit of an outside player in this race. 10 to one on the morning line, just based off the familiarity. I don't think you'll get 10 to one in this race on him. But I do think he could potentially be one that comes from off the pace. Just it matter is he good enough? Yeah, that's true. I think uh, the speed in this race could benefit the horse breaking to his outside. And that's Bilal, who's owned by Kaleem Shah. 
And uh, Kaleem very much based with uh, Simon Callahan, mainly on the West Coast. And this horse shows up with Hall of Famer Bill Mott as a $725,000 purchase from the Keeneland 2022 September yearling sale. Debuted at Saratoga and uh, last out in the Nashua. Ran against Where's Chris, who we'll talk about here in a few minutes, who uh, is going to be on some people's tickets. I think Darren liked this horse as he, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he did mention him on the last Inside the Kentucky Derby podcast that we did a few days ago. But this horse intrigues me because he's taking off his blinkers, and I think if he can relax, I just don't think that he maybe wanted going that mile distance. I think he's going to want to go longer. He's by Street Sense out of a Bernardini mare. And uh, so now he's going to get the opportunity to maybe relax from off the pace as, you know, he, he's sort of been pressing those early pace uh, fractions last time in his last few starts. They went 23 and two and 23 and one respectively in his last two races where he was up close to the lead. I don't think he wants to be that close. I think he's the type of horse just watching those races visually. He wants to be from further off the pace. So at 12 to one, he's my gamble in this race. What do you think of uh, Bilal's chances, Caitlin? That's an awful lot of money for a street sense. Is a yearling. I know it's kind of weird to say a street sense is a Kentucky Derby winner, but he's kind of uh, more one of those middle price type of stallions you don't see get mm-hmm. um, above $500,000 yearlings all that often. But he does come out of potentially the most key main special weight for all the horses. Of course, that race was won by Fierceness, went on to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And then the second place horse, Air Defiance, is a horse I'm really interested in moving forward to the road to Kentucky Derby. And then Bilal was a third in that race, just headed by Air of Defiance for second. Yeah, unfortunately, I think Air of Defiance, we're going to have to wait for maybe the road to the Travers or Fall series. Kind of what he's, I was uh, afraid of. Yeah, I saw he's him, not going to make it. I saw him taken off the um, list for the Derby Futures, and I was like, I don't know what happened, but, um, well, he was one that I am looking forward to at some point that I do think has a lot of talent. Yeah, you're right. But you're right about that race. It was yeah. a very much a key race this summer at Saratoga. Um, and, and then he came back and, and broke his maiden. So, um, yeah, that's, it's definitely one that I'm going to keep my eye on on Saturday in the Remsen 12 to one on the morning line, the number six Bilal. Sierra Leone is owned by the cool more conglomerate trained by Chad Brown. Coming off of a maiden breaking win at Aqueduct in uh, early November, four to one on the morning line, Caitlin. And uh, he's one of those horses that if they go fast in this race, I think he's going to set a perfect trip. Absolutely. This is a horse I'm really, really interested in this race. And uh, he kind of almost had no business winning that maiden special way when he did. He bobbled badly uh, getting out of the break and was wide, 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 and then still came on to win impressively. I'm not sure who he necessarily in that race not a lot of horses have run back off that um but this horse is supposed to be good he was a 2.3 million uh dollar yearling so he better be good but um you don't really see it as often unless it's maybe with an import coming in uh, from their irish base the the cool more conglomerates have a horse based in america here with chad brown that's on the dirt yeah that's that's saying a lot yeah right? exactly i mean Man, so uh, yeah, very intriguing. You go from two point three million for Sierra Leone to where's Chris, who was purchased for just was this twenty thousand dollars at uh, the OBS April sale. So uh, you know you can have horses of any sort of range, and and where's Chris has done the right things in his progression leading into this race, where he just won the Nashua Stakes last time out for trainer Rick Dutro Jr. in the Nice Guy Stables. He's going to be ridden by Isaac Castillo, nineteen to one in that race, six to one here. Uh, he did earn a solid Brisnet speed rating of a 90 last time out. He's doing the right things progressingly. Uh, I, I just don't know how strong 
overall that Nashua was, even though I picked Bilal on there, I think, you know, Bilal I'm picking because he's going mm-hmm. longer distance, taking the blinkers off. I just think where's Chris might've peaked in that race. Potentially. I, I'm not sure how he will continue to move forward, but I can see maybe some added extra ground being in uh, his favor, just with some of the races that he has ran, but he could have plateaued at this point, especially in his two-year-old points. Of the year, I think the breeding's interesting for stretching out, twirling candy out of a lemon drop kid. Mara could certainly happen, and uh, Rick Dutcho's had a pretty good year so far as well. So, won't put anything out of the realm of possibility, but I think six to one would just be a little bit too short for me on a horse like this. And, and he, you know, visually, he he was, you know, fighting almost the entire right. way. Like, he was he was He's dueling. a gritty type of a horse. Right, and, and I like that, especially, you know, going this mile and an eighth where some mm-hmm. of these horses may not want to go there. He's by twirling candy out of a lemon drop kid mare. So if he's going to fit the two turns and it gets into a, you know, a, a gritty type of match down the lane, he's shown his grit last time out in the Nashua. Um, and so we know that the Dutch Row team probably thinks highly of him. Uh, they threw him right to Stakes Company after that main win, didn't wait for any allowances. And, uh, you know, maybe he's, um, you know, the grit's there. I can't, you know, knock him too much. Just for me, he's just not going to be one that I'm going to sort of downgrade the others minus Bilal and that Nashua um, moving forward. And then to his outside as uh, is Copper Tax, who's very... If you're a Brisnet prime power player, you're going to look at the prime power and you're going to see 141.1. And he is the top prime power horse in this race. And prime power sort of takes together several different factors, um, you know, speed figures and some pace figures. But he's exiting the couple of, you know, six furlong races. He did go a mile, two starts back. You can't knock this horse, no. Caitlin. He's, you know, he's almost by, unbeaten in six starts. Right. He's trained by Gary Capuano, who's, you know, familiar in the Delaware Park and, and Maryland type of uh, area, ridden by Kendrick Carmouche. Five for six lifetime. He just, is he going to be good enough to now swim with the Sharks? It kind of doesn't surprise me that he's the highest on the Brisnet Prime Power. He's got the highest earnings, he's got the most career depth, and is the most accomplished horse. Granted, he's winning races at uh, like one to five and stuff like that over uh, Del Mar. But he's won on a fast surface. He's won on a muddy surface. He's won on the lead. He's won from off the lead. And if you look at his numbers and figures, he keeps getting better with each and every race. It could really go either way. He could run really, really well in this race and kind of figure into that super. I don't see really a chance where he's going to win this race or he could just flat out hit a wall at this point Mm -hmm. in his career. What I do think though is interesting about him is he's gone a variety of different distances. I don't necessarily think the stretch out is going to be a problem because of the way he's been conditioned. They work him a mile between a lot of his starts and they'll have one really fast uh, four for a long bullet works. So I think this is a well-conditioned horse that the fitness is not going to be an issue. It's just, is he going to be good enough? Yeah, that's very true. That's a good point of that. Cause you look and you know, he worked back to back one mile uh, workouts in his last two. And then he did work a fast 47 and four. That's, you know, very interesting. You don't see mm-hmm. that a lot. That's, you don't. That's very interesting to see. Um, but because the first thing I look at is Copper Bullet. I'm like, oh, he probably doesn't want to go that far. Right. The average winning distance of Copper Bullet offspring is 6.4 furlongs. And so. Mm. But, Copper Bullet was a sprinter, too. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, uh, but then you see those those conditioning lines. But to me, he's a pass. But it's very intriguing to see that conditioning that he'll have entering this race. And then on the far outside is private desire. He's the second Todd Pletcher trainee 
in this race who uh he came out of that nashua he was two to one in that race he broke his maiden visually impressive um i thought at, at aqueduct going six and a half for a long he's by constitution out of a wildcat air mare uh he's gonna have to prove it to me breaking from that far outside but uh you know hall of fame trainer todd pletcher isn't in the hall of fame for no reason and uh he could be for a horse like this could jump up and surprise me he's kind of the type of trainer where it's like do you want this todd or do you want the other todd or do you <laughs> right. want both of them just in case to me my really the only problem i have with this horse is the 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 main special weight when at uh, belmont and aqueduct was impressive but he kind of had everything his way. And in the other races he's had to me, he's just looked really, really green when he's had a little bit more competition. So I maybe want to see a little bit more from this horse. And I do think he has his work cut out from him from that outside post. So in a nutshell, there's the, the Remsen field that'll go as race nine on Saturday's card at Aqueduct at uh, 3.45 p.m. Eastern time. I like the early post up there. So that way you can, you know, get your Twin Spires account back fully loaded for Turfway starting at 5.55 p.m. on Saturday night. If you had to hold the, your head to the fire and pick one horse to bet in this race, Caitlin, who would it be? Based off of value alone, I think I would bet the five drum roll, please for Brad Cox. I like that. So Caitlin goes with the five drum roll. Pre please. I'll go with the horse just to his outside in the six Bilal on Saturdays. Remsen. If you enjoyed this episode of inside the Kentucky Derby, be sure to like and subscribe. And that way you can get all the updates and leave us. Darren always gives this line. Caitlin on the show, leave us a five-star rating for our four-star performance. <laughs> I think with you on the show, it is a guaranteed five-star rating for a five-star performance. It's not me, but you brought Peruvian pedigree notes to this show that has been never heard before. It has to be a five-star rated podcast today. Fingers crossed because typically I'm not super involved on the aqueduct action. Uh, and you typically don't see stuff like that at aqueduct either. But so this is a special circumstance. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I recognize this. So completely random, but had to happen. Only you would recognize that. <laughs> uh, and of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, hopefully you're sipping along with some Woodford reserve with 200 flavor notes in every sip. Woodford reserve is a spectacle for these senses. Please enjoy responsibly. Caitlin will have to have you back on inside the Kentucky Derby as we lead up to Derby 150. Um, especially leading up in some of these Turfway park uh, road to the Kentucky Derby races, because it's Lots of two-year-olds turning three soon, and they're uh, staying here in Kentucky for that action up at Turfway. I think that Turfway has also proven um, that the prep races there kind of aren't so bad. No. They may actually turn out okay, whether it be the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Oaks, or Breeders' Cup races. So they've they got some good form lines there within the past couple of years. I walked down the uh, the hallway of champions, as uh, Chip Bach called it last night at Turfway, and there you see two Phils just staring right <laughs> at you. They got his picture up now. Two fills is up there in, in proud form. And I think we need to get some idiomatic and no balls. Yep. Uh, but Turf Caravelle, she was Caravelle. there too. Uh, I, Rich Strike is up there. I think he's real close to Silver Charm yes. on the walkthrough there. He was so. up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was uh, he was right across from two fills. They were eyeing each other. I know which one I would have picked on a match race, even though one won the <laughs> Derby and one finished second. Uh, that'll be saved for another podcast down the road. We'll be back to uh, recap the rents and stakes on, on Monday. So be sure to like and subscribe on Inside the Kentucky Derby. Thanks again for listening. I'm going to go hit a deposit button on the Twin Spires to hopefully fill my account to bet this race on Saturday. Until then, thanks for listening. Yeah.